have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me fill you in on a few things. Like first and foremost, it's free. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Then Anchor is going to distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on multiple platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more. Even better, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And it's so easy, even somebody like me can do it. Now download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And I know you hear me. Hey, I'm Brian Von VA. Have you ever wondered what it's like to listen to an amazing podcast with voice actors and narrators? Ah, and bald people? Whoa! If so, today's your lucky day. The most handsomest fellows in the whole wide world are going to be talking to your favorite voice actors from around the globe. Ah, how amazing is that? And they're doing it right here, right now, on I Know You Hear Me podcast. We have tons of celebrity guests, such as Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) Stop it, Arnie. We're not quite ready for you yet. And your favorite returning characters like Sylvester, I Had Seven Strokes Stallone. I don't know what it's about. I can't see it right now. That's okay, Sylvie. You go sit in the corner. We'll take it from here. Right now, let's get right into the podcast, shall we? Hi, I'm Will Harridge, and I'm an audio engineer. But you would not believe the amount of mediocre voice actors I get in on the daily. It's scary, honestly. I always want to recommend them to Elise Bowman, who's the best voice acting coach I know. But I'm always afraid I'm going to offend them and be out of a job. Thankfully, I send the best ones over to her anyway over at EliseCoaches.com, and they keep coming back. Hi, I'm one of the mediocre talents that Will has to work with. And really, I'm thinking about looking up Elise myself. Go look at Elise Coaches today and start your career without ending mine. What he said. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another awesome week and another awesome episode of the I Know You Hear Me podcast. As you're tuning in here today, I hope this podcast finds you well, and I hope you're excited for another awesome interview because this is one that is going to be a very insightful and very powerful interview, and guys, I am so excited for you to hear it today. But before we jump into that, I got to take care of some housekeeping here. You already know the drill. Got to encourage you guys, if you haven't already, go follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're also on every podcasting platform available. So if you haven't already, go subscribe. We're on Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't subscribed yet, what are you waiting for? I know you hear me when I say I need you guys to go subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It greatly helps out a lot, and it does a lot more behind the scenes than you realize. And if you could, too, and you're a fan of all things spooky, do the same thing for my other podcast, Tales from the Haunt. We're on all social media platforms. We're on all podcasting platforms. Go subscribe. Go get some more insight into what goes on behind the scenes at a haunted house. Figure out why people are drawn to things that are spooky. And then go back in the archives of this show. Get back into season one. Go listen to the great plethora of guests that I had lined up there. And even the ones from earlier in this season because it just keeps getting better and better and better. And now that we've got that out of the way, I can tell you that today is no different. Today's guest, uh, speaking of all things spooky, is actually somebody that I became somewhat familiar with uh, during my first season of uh, being a scare actor at Nashville Nightmare. 
We didn't really talk too much at the beginning of the season because I didn't really know a lot of people there, and I was just trying to show up and do what they needed me to do. But as we got more connected, I kind of found out, like, oh, there's another actor here who's chasing her dreams and kind of kind of jumped out to me. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But before we get into my conversation with her, I've got to make sure I give her an intro that does her justice. So let's see if I can do this the right way here. So starting off, she's a singer. She's a dancer. She's an actress. She was born in New Albany, Indiana. She moved out to California, and now she's here in Nashville. And, you know, here's the thing. She has gone through a lot of experiences in her life. She's making it a priority to chase her passions and chase her dreams and still find time to prioritize her mental health and keep herself sane in the process. And I am so excited to talk with her today. My guest at this time is Jade Renee Daly. Jade, how are you this afternoon? I am doing great. How are you doing? I am good. I am still trying to figure out what day of the week it is. Uh, as we're recording <laughs> this, it's a Tuesday that feels like a Wednesday or a Thursday. So I'm somewhere in the middle. Absolutely. I feel that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, man, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, to jump on here with me today and tell your story a little bit. So I'm ready to jump into it if you are. Yeah, let's do it. Thank you for having me. Oh, of course. Of course. So Let's go back to the beginning here, man. Take me back to when you were growing up. What got you interested in all these forms of acting and entertainment? Because that's a lot of stuff that, you know, like, I'm no singer, so I have a lot of respect for you putting yourself out there to entertain like that. Like, that's an amazing thing. So, like, where did this bug bite you, and how young were you when all this developed? Oh, my goodness. Um, I always like to tell people I came out as an entertainer from the womb. <laughs> I was singing and dancing as I was coming out. Nice. Um, but really, like, ever since kindergarten, who do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? And I always say either, like, Britney Spears. I want to be a dancer. I want to be a singer or something like that. Mm -hmm. And um, I think my love for acting came in. Uh, my grandparents would show me like the old school Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers movies, which is very musical mm -hmm. in itself. And I just fell in love. And wow. I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to be on a screen doing that. Um, I know I can do that. And just ever since I was young, you know, um, I did a lot of sports growing up mm -hmm. too. Um, but it wasn't until like very in the middle school where I, I was just like, nope this is what I want to do. Just, we're just cutting it down to the singing and the dancing and the acting and just going from there. Man, I, I love that because there's one thing that jumps out, especially at the end. Uh, we're going to circle back to a couple other things in there, but the fact that at such a young age, you had the insight to narrow down and trim the fat to get specifically to what you wanted to focus on. Like that's powerful because there are people of all ages that still can't do that, that were older than you were when you made that decision. Like that's, that shows a deep level of being in touch with yourself, even at a young age. So that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, my, my parents at first, cause they were so used, I have two older siblings mm -hmm. and they did sports all throughout elementary school, middle school, high school. And then they thought I was going more on that path as well. And I'm the only one who kind of just started solely focusing on like entertainment. And at first they're like, eh, I'm okay, I guess. And they were a little sad about it. But then when they saw me like on, on stage in my first production in a lead role, they're like, nah, this is, this is where she needs to be. So I was Absolutely. very lucky to have that support so under me. That's a, that's an awesome thing right there too, because I love hearing that, you know, like, 
it seems like the natural thing that, of course, parents are a little bit, you know, trepidatious at the beginning because it's not the same things that they grew up with. You know, that wasn't a, a viable option, let's say, when they were growing up. So, of course, they've kind of got their hazards and their, you know, their flags up like, hey, this may not be the right option. But I love that they came around to it after they saw you in your element and saw how happy it made you. So that's a that's a very amazing thing. But let's back it up a little bit before that, even like when you were a little bit younger before that first production and you started getting into everything as they started seeing this interest grow, were they, were they still kind of like just passing it off? Like it's something that'll pass. She'll get more involved in sports or did they kind of just like out of sight, out of mind, not even paid any attention until this first production came up? Oh no, they have always been supportive in anything that I was willing to try to do. That's Um, awesome. I think like the the big thing for me growing up, I was in competitive gymnastics for Mm -hmm. a long time and I did the volleyball and the track cross country. Uh, I did wrestling for one year in elementary school. It was like a whole thing. But alongside of that, I was always in the choir or the show choir Mm -hmm. or like, you know, the little school skits or plays that would get put on um, my brother and sister were also in choir and everything but I think they always supported it they were always there always showed up and knew that this is something I like to do alongside of sports but I think it really hit them whenever I was just like the only sport I want to do is dance I want to do the tap ballet jazz contemporary modern like yeah. that's what I want to do um and I remember they had me walk into one of my team practices for volleyball at the time to stand in front of my coach and my teammates and let them know that I will no longer be doing that. Oh. And it, it was, it was hard, but it I was bet. a decision that I fully 100% believed in. And, you know, that's also teaching me responsibility of, I had this commitment to this team and it's going to be my responsibility to, let them know like I will no longer be doing that absolutely and man that is such a powerful thing in itself right there like god I can't even imagine because when you do something like that even if you're technically putting yourself first like you said you have the responsibility to let your coach and your other teammates know and that can be a very nerve-wracking and you know guilt-tripping situation so how was it for you after the fact, like after you got that weight off your shoulders, after you had that conversation, was your coach and were your teammates supportive or was it just kind of, you know, the, the machine moves on, we'll get another cog in the wheel, so to speak. How was that? Um, I, whenever going in, I was nervous. I was shaking. I mm-hmm. never had done anything like that before. Um, I never quit anything. Yeah. So it was very scary for me. And after the fact, I felt, as you said, like this weight just kind of off my shoulders of, wow, I'm, I'm really going to focus on what I want to do. And I wanted to do the sports, but even so, it's more shifting my focus. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I mean, to cut you off there. Sorry about that. No, you're fine. Um, and as for my teammates and my coach, I think they, they knew that that was something I wanted to do because between plays or whatever, I would be doing a little jig in the corner, kind of humming something and all the time they knew right, I was a right. song and dance type of girl. So they're like, it's fine. Like we understand it's okay. That's awesome. I mean, I, I love hearing too that. I mean, it doesn't sound like there was any resentment or any kind of like, you know, bashing to make you feel like you're making the wrong choice. So I love hearing that. 
Mm-hmm. But while we're on the subject of sports, too, one thing that, especially with, you know, kids, it seems like everybody has these dreams when they're younger, but then as they grow up, they kind of forget about them or move away from them. But the fact that it stayed consistent with you, even going through the sports and everything as you got older before you eventually settled on that, what was that like? Like, did the did the acting and the singing and the performing, did it ever kind of drift away as you were getting more involved in sports? before you got to this moment or was it always just kind of like I'm juggling both things on the plate here, but I'm enjoying doing both before you finally made the decision to fully like focus on acting. I feel like it was around middle school when I was really like the end of middle school where I was kind of drifting a little bit further from sports because I wanted to focus more I'm performing I and gotcha. the singing and the dancing. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Every sport that I was in, um, I was never forced to do or like, you have to do this because you're not doing anything. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I learned a lot from those experiences that I can take from there to bring into what I am doing today. Um, especially like there's a lot of sports movies and a lot of films and mm-hmm. plays and stuff. And you learn um, commitment to a team, you are in stamina, you are in your balance and almost every aspect that you can think of by being part of a team that I transferred over to being part of a dance studio, you know, yeah. encouraging the people around you and being a team with the people around you and having the composure and the dedication to like your craft. Man, I love hearing that because I feel like that's something that not enough people they either just don't talk about it or they're unaware of it. And hearing it put into that kind of perspective, just, I mean, it's very eye-opening and it's very powerful to hear too that the team mentality, and it's almost like the sports got you ready for everything else. So like, it's a, it's a very powerful thing to hear. So I, I, I'm enjoying this story. So thank you for, you know, for sharing all that. But yes, absolutely. Let's, uh, let's get into as you get older now, because like I said in your introduction, you moved from New Albany, Indiana, all the way out to California. What prompted that decision? And then also, too, what was your parents' uh, you know, involvement in that? And how supportive were they of that kind of a move like that? Oh, goodness. So this is another story in itself. I went to um, ITF my junior year of high school. So that's International Thespian Festival. Oh, okay. A lot of high schools um, from kind of all over the country, you can get your shows adjudicated to perform there, or you can just go as your theater troupe. Um, A lot of college auditions are held there at that Mm -hmm. time, and a lot of booths for different colleges and programs, you know, and what they're offering. It's a really, really neat experience if anyone ever um, has a desire to go. But I ran across this booth of um, New York Film Academy, and it really piqued my interest in seeing a totally different side of entertainment because I grew up with the song and dance and musical theater and the live theater and everything. Mm -hmm. And I back then had a desire to know more all the time. I'm like, I want to know more. I want to know this side. I want to know that side. Um, so I had an audition with them and they liked me and they wanted me to attend their school. 
and I was offered scholarships and everything. And I was, I was left with a hard decision because at the same time I was auditioning for different conservatories and just kind of figuring out, do I want to continue doing the musical theater? Can I let it be on the back burner for a little bit while I learn something new? It was, it was very flip-flop for me at that time. Right, right. And I think my desire to know more kind of outweighed the uh, latter decision. So I told my parents, I said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, it's in California. Oddly enough, they have a campus in New York, but the campus I wanted to go to was in California in Burbank. Oh, okay. And they were so supportive of it. You know, they really like drove into me of like, this is a big step and it's going to be okay. You're always going to have us. You're always going to have a home. If something doesn't work out, just you always have somewhere to go. Very and, reassuring. Very reassuring. A hundred percent. Because back then I was a mess. You know, you're a teenager and you're just like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, and I had some serious talks with my parents and they said, if this is what you want to do, then let's do it. And I remember at the time I was doing a uh, community show at the riverfront in my city. And like the day after that closed, I, we packed up a U-Haul and we drove all the way to California, my mom, dad, and I. Wow. And it, it was an experience because after we unloaded everything, cause the college doesn't have a like dorm rooms or anything. So I had to find an apartment. Oh man. And that in itself was something completely new to me. Um, and it, after they were gone, it was like, I was alone and it nerve wracked me. I was like, Whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> I bet. And like you say, like you're, you're only a teenager at that point. So, you know, in our minds, we think we have everything figured out, but then when you get into a situation like where you're that many miles away from home, you know that you've got that safety blanket there, but it's like however many state lines away. So I can't even imagine what that was like to process. Oh, yeah, it it was a process, definitely. <laughs> so, um, but again, like I just call my parents. They're always just a phone call away, no matter where I'm at, which really, really got me through. Of course. And, and it, interesting enough, like after a year I was there, I had... Uh, and it was acquaintance at the time. Um, one of the girls that I went to high school with, she actually moved out to California right after she graduated, mm -hmm. but with her parents. So um, her dad at the time kind of arranged a meeting for us because we haven't, we haven't really spoken. And it was something that I really like held on to was like somebody who's understanding. And that, that was very important to me. Absolutely. Um, yes. Always having your support system is just uh, the best thing you can have. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. So as you get into everything there, you get acclimated, you get your apartment, you make the connection that you just referenced there. What's it like balancing life in a new city and state on top of, you know, being in school? Like, how do you juggle all that and keep yourself, you know, like from going insane with anxiety or worrying about everything and just keep yourself motivated and happy to keep, you know, like enjoying the experiences. How do you, how do you go about all that, especially at such a young age? I was very fortunate that my parents had equipped me with like 
good life skills. Mm -hmm. I knew how to cook for myself. I knew how to clean, um, you know, take care of my car, everything. So anytime I had a flat tire, I could change it myself. I didn't have to have, you know, my dad fly out. Like he could do that on a moment's notice. Right. Right. Um, so I think that was also another way that they were comfortable that they knew I was going to be okay because they had given me these life skills. Um, but juggling it with school and everything, it it was a struggle at first. It was definitely, um, I am a full-time student, but I am paying for an apartment and I need to have a job on top of this. Yes. So my first job was just like this little juice bar that anytime I wasn't in school, any shift that I could get, I was in there. Um, but it, finding that balance, it definitely took a while, but I learned the art of lists, making lists for myself was very, very good foundation for me of these are the list of things that I want to get done this week. If I get them done, awesome. If I don't, I, I can't be too hard on myself. Yeah, very true. And that's, that's something that I still struggle with too, because I'm still guilty of if I don't get one thing done or if I think about going to bed earlier because I didn't do one thing, I have that that verbal boxing match or that mental boxing match where it's like, oh, you sh- you still got time. You could squeeze in this or you could do this. Doesn't matter how tired you are. So kudos on you, too, for being able to give yourself the credit. Like, you got all this other stuff done. So if one thing doesn't make it, there's another opportunity down the road to get it done. So major respect on my end for you having that kind of insight and prioritizing right there too. Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely, you know, good days and bad days when it comes to that though. So I try to have that plan and try to have that mentality, but there are definitely days where I'm not doing enough. I need to keep doing this. Absolutely. Just trying to forgive myself if I can't do a load of dishes in right, the night right. because I need to sleep. You yeah, know, the, the world will the world will end if you don't do those dishes. It's not it's not that catastrophic, but been there, right, done that right. too. But like, mm. so in all that, like, you've got a job. You you're in a new city. You've got you know classes. You're you're going to college. How do you keep the? Uh, do the lists help you like keep the drive and passion? for acting, singing, and performing alive because you're able to prioritize and give things their due amount of time? Or what is that process like so that you don't hit the burnout phase or start falling out of love with something that you're so passionate about when you're juggling so many things? Right. Um, My school that I went to, um, I had a really good connection with a couple of my classes. Um, we, We had a mental health and physical wellness class. And I got so much insight from that like one class alone um I learned about meditation and learned about breathing and learned about just psychologically processing things Mm -hmm. and being able to allow yourself to be a person and not just like cookie cutter pace machine of like, I have to do this, 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 this all the time. And if I don't, I'm going to be so hard on myself. And it, it was definitely a struggle for me to understand that I don't have to run myself into the ground. Um, Cause I would always be so hard on myself, especially growing up of even if I'm like a little bit sick and I need to take the day off, I'm not going to, yeah because 
I have to keep pushing through and I have to keep doing this. And I would literally run myself into the ground. And after say like a theater production would close, I would almost sleep for like a week and a half straight because I ran myself exhausted. It's like we were the same person. Where was that class when I was in school? Where's that class now? No idea. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And I was very fortunate to have that um, because in high school, I was not equipped with certain life things of being able to take care of my mental health. So it was very nerve wracking and very refreshing to be able to have that when I got out there. And I think a big part of that too, is at the time, nobody really stopped and talked about that. And you know, Mm -mm. it's to the point too, where today it is becoming more of a priority and a topic, but there are still people from that, I guess that old guard or old generation that, are still of the, you know, suck it up and deal with it mentality, but that doesn't work for everybody. And right. it's to a point now where, you know, like it's almost like the societal norm that you got to work hard. You got to do all this sleep, get up, do it all over again, or sleep when you can, but keep working hard. Like it's almost glorified to overwork yourself. And that does nobody any good at all. So, you know, kudos to you for taking that class and, Kudos to that college for offering it, too. Like, that's an amazing thing that more people that even may not have gone to college or maybe grown adults now should still look at something like that to get themselves in a better mindset. Because I guarantee you, everybody, whether they're listening or not, has gone through something like that and hit that burnout phase and not known what to do. Or, you know, it's something that could have easily been avoided if they just would have had some kind of structure to explain that to them. Absolutely. And I 100% agree. Man, it's like we're solving the world's problems, but we get no uh, we get no credit or no pay for it. But <laughs> right, right, exactly. I guess we're doing the Lord's work. But um, there it is. Anyway, man. So this is uh, I'm gonna end up letting you tell this portion of the story because I don't really know another way to segue into it. But you know, before we started talking, and even earlier in the day before we started interviewing. You had mentioned that you had a pretty like horrific experience out there in California. And you know, like it's something that a lot of people probably would not have been able to recover from. But you know, like just the fact that you said that you wanted to get this out there and that you know, like you're making or you've made leaps and bounds to recover from it as well is just like mind blowing, like applause on my end. I can't sell it, it I can't sell it, it's due justice, basically, but I'm going to turn it over to you and let me let you tell this story because like it's man, I can't even process it still in my mind. So if you want to take the reins for a minute, please feel free to share. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, So I I think I just freshly turned 20 years old um, and I was leaving from a classmate's apartment because we were going over some of the. like the shot list for an upcoming project that we were doing and it had gotten pretty late Mm -hmm. and I was leaving and I had to park on the the side street of where their apartment was located. Yeah. And, um, they were in the middle of something, so they couldn't walk out with me. So I was like, it's not even that far to walk to my car. So I am walking and as I'm walking, Um, So I passed by uh, like a little alleyway Mm -hmm. and there was a a male who was walking past me in the opposite direction and it like a split second later, I I paid it no mind, but a split second later, um, 
his arms were around me from behind and was picking me up. Shit. And I just immediately started screaming. I started screaming anything and everything. Mm-hmm. And I was always told to scream fire because when you scream help, like nobody really wants to pay attention to that. Yeah. Unfortunately. Oh, um, but I was screaming fire. I was screaming help. I was screaming everything. At just this to get point. attention on you. Yeah. Absolutely. And as I was doing that, uh, just a second later, this guy's hand was around my face, around my mouth. And was like gripping onto my face and I couldn't really scream out anymore. And I, I took everything that I had to just like force all of my weight down and slam my heel into his toes and swing my head back. And just, I believe I broke his nose, um, but it left me with with a a whelp and a big goose egg on the back of my head. Um, and I was very fortunate that he let go of his grasp for just a slight second. And yeah. I was able to like get out of his reach. And as that was happening, um, there's like a small group of gentlemen who heard me screaming and mm-hmm. they were already on their way down and they got the guy down to the ground. And one of them was trying to comfort me saying, we called the cops, we called the cops. It's going to be okay. And um, it just, a few minutes later or so, um, I had about two cops. I can't remember their names for the life of me. I was kind of like in and out of it at that yeah, point. Yeah, of course, mentally. of course. And um, they arrived, and I just know that the guy was in the back of one of the cars, and he wasn't speaking English. I think he was trying to play the card of, I don't know anything you're saying. Um, but uh, when I arrived to my apartment because one of them drove me home i was sending the pictures to my my mother mm-hmm. of this happened um like help you know yeah and literally the next flight out my my mom was there wow to come get me and it traumatizing experience and she brought me home so i could you know be around her and my dad and like, yeah, my family because they're the most important thing to me. And I just went through the process of accepting that that had happened mm-hmm. and figuring out how to move forward from that. Yeah. And I can't even imagine like what that was like. I mean, like when you, like, there's so many questions that are running through my mind, but like, once you, you know, once you got home and you were able to kind of like be around like people that were your comfort zone and your safety blanket, what was it like when it was time for you to come back out, you know, to California? What was that process like? Um, so that process actually, um, I was given basically as much time as I needed before I decided to come back. It was my choice, which was very comforting. Um, but before going out, I was very fortunate. My dad has a friend in Jeffersonville, Indiana, who runs a jujitsu academy. It's called um, Jeffersonville Jiu-Jitsu Academy. And his name is Maury. And he runs a women's self-defense class every month. And my dad was just kind of encouraging me, like, would this be something that could help you? And I... At first, I was like, I don't know. Like, I, I just haven't really fully processed yet. But then I decided, you know what? I, I need to go. Of course, yeah. And 
let me tell you what, it has definitely made me way more prepared. I've learned a lot on different ways to defend myself. And since I am so small, it's literally like leverage techniques and things that if someone comes from behind you or in front of you or beside you, like so many different things I learned. And I'm very grateful that I learned because that was ultimately the reason why I was ready to go back yeah. to California. Now, in that in that process, too, of course, your dad is encouraging you to take the self-defense classes, which is amazing. But, like, were they also encouraging you, like, well, maybe, you know, like, you should consider moving back to Indiana. Did that did that conversation ever come up? Um, I think it was more of, do you need to talk to somebody to get of through course, this yeah. that's other than us? Um, do you need to have more time here? Because they were never pushing me on, like, do you need to go to California again right now? Or, like, what are you what are you planning on doing? It was literally my own time frame on how I wanted to take it. Gotcha. Um, they didn't really kind of ask if I wanted to be back in Indiana because they always knew that I did not want to be living in California – or not California, in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, they – they knew that at some point I would make it back out there or to somewhere. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Man. So, um, no, they never asked if or, you know, encouraged me to be moving back to Indiana. It definitely put some, like, strain on them a little bit mentally. I'm oh, worried. Of course, of course. And um, so now, like, anytime I go somewhere alone or whatnot, I <laughs> it's funny. I'll send my mom a message like, this is where I'm at. If I don't let you know when I'm out or whatever these, and I don't know these people, like, you know where I'm at, you know? Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a very smart move to I me. Mean, I hate to say that, you know, you, that's something that you have to consider doing in today's day and age, but better safe than sorry more than anything else. Absolutely. But man, like what, I guess I can't, like, there's so many questions, but I just can't get them to formulate in my mind. And I'm not even sure if they would come <laughs> out right, but like. That is a, an absolutely traumatic experience. Like, when you started taking the self-defense and the jiu-jitsu classes, you made the decision to go back to California when you were ready. Had you already begun kind of, like, building your confidence again, reshaping your mental thought process, and just getting that as far out of your out of your mirror as possible, just looking ahead, or did it still creep in and you just had better ways to deal with it at that point? What was all that like? So I I believe for me, I think the biggest obstacle was not constantly like being paranoid in like yeah. a public setting, I feel like. Um, mm-hmm. But it definitely took some time. And yes, my thought process had definitely changed. Again, just accepting that that happened. Yeah. But now that I am more prepared for anything like that, um, it really helped me. It really helped me get in the mind frame of, okay, I'm, I can get through this. It's going to be okay. And I had a great support system in California. Um, I had two really good friends, Kevin and Allison, and they just anything I needed, they were always there for me. And I, I got through it somehow, you know. Yeah, of course. The the little steps, the little steps on I went to the grocery store by myself today. Yeah. And I felt okay. And I didn't feel like somebody was 
going to snatch me on the side of the road. Like it's those little victories of, I feel calm Absolutely. and I'm breathing and I'm getting through it. And, um, I, and using it actually for acting perspective, because I forget exactly who I heard it from, but, um, I think we're studying Meisner mm-hmm. and, it, there was a section where we're talking about using the things that have happened to you in your craft, using them yes. as a weapon in your craft and to your power and your existence as a creator and a performer. Um, and I very honed in on that on, okay, like how that. can I use this to help me? Absolutely. I love that. And I mean, mm-hmm. in saying all that too, and having that kind of that mindset and mentality, and then of course the family and the support system behind you too, you know, like, unfortunately you hear in these situations where the victims often end up blaming themselves for what happened, uh, you know, right or wrong or whatever it may be. I'm not going to get into all that, but like, right. did you ever have that kind of mentality? Like at, at the beginning, at least where it was like, well, what did I do to bring this situation on myself or anything like that that you hear is, you know, unfortunately so common in situations like that where it may have even gone further than what you had to experience. Oh yeah, absolutely. I definitely had moments of, I deserve this or I did something to deserve this or to make this happen. There were definitely moments in the beginning of, I could have done something a hundred percent different and it's all my fault. Right. Right. Oh man. And again, it's just, taking the time to really think about it and if you do have someone to talk to just like speaking through it to kind of getting it out there and processing um just realizing like no matter what I could have done it it was gonna happen some way or another yeah I mean that's that's the unfortunate truth of it but I love that you were able to confront that before it basically you know like ate you alive from the inside and just completely ruined everything else that was so good around you too so kudos and respect beyond what i can express right here for being able to you know take such a horrible and that's an understatement in itself right there situation and turn it around to like you said where you can use those meisner teachings and you know find ways that you can bring it to the things you're passionate about and also add it to your repertoire so that you have some kind of cathartic release from it as it's coming out in a performance or whatever it may be too. So again, mm-hmm. I can't say it enough, but kudos and respect for that. Thanks. Uh, and I think another part of it was I felt like I had to hide myself yes. a little bit too. Yeah. Like, cause I think just societal female things of, was it what, a, was it what I was wearing at the yeah. time? Was yeah. it the way I was just kind of being aloof about it? And like a, a part of that process of healing was really kind of taking control back of me as a person and me as my body and that nothing had to do with that. And a big part of that was I got involved with a dance troupe out in California um, called the Vixen Show and all of the people there, best positive vibes about loving yourself and being it. the best you can, you can be. And no matter where you came from, what you look like, anything like you own yourself, you I own like your it. body, you own your essence, everything. And that helped me tremendously too. Very so nice. that was like another outlet for me. Now, how did you, how did you get connected with them? Um, so a classmate of mine 
actually had met one of them beforehand and they were letting me know that they were going to be putting on kind of like a, a theater-based cabaret uh-huh. uh, type show and they knew I was really involved in musical theater and, and they suggested that I audition for it and uh, I did and I got in and I really got to know uh, some amazing people from there. The creator um, of the Vixen show, one of them, his name is Kia and he really took me under his wing and um, he was giving me some like private dance lessons and stuff to really get me out of my the box that mm-hmm. I was kind of putting myself into and it introduced me to like a new style of dance um, where you're dancing in like high heels and stuff like that and it's just very empowering and very wonderful and very inclusive and it just kind of opened a whole new world for me and it was amazing man I dig it I mean and it sounds like you clicked with this with this group right off the bat too so I'm sure that definitely translated to any performances that you guys did together as well. Um, mm-hmm. What was it like, like actually getting out for that first performance, you know, in a live event with them? What was that experience like for you? Oh my goodness. I was shaking in my boots. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, beforehand, like I had never really been nervous about live performances mm-hmm. or being nervous at all. Um, I think my most nerve wracking experiences are, are auditions. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, but actual performance, I never really been nervous about. So this kind of threw me for a loop, like right before we're about to go on and I'm like, Oh my goodness, like I'm, I'm doing this again. Like it, and it felt really good at the same time of, I am doing this again. Um, it it just really was an uplifting experience because just being surrounded by, the amazing people in this in this company and everything they they could tell I was nervous, but they were just uplifting me the entire time. Absolutely, the entire time, and that is just very important. Finding like a good group of people to be around. I love it. Now, as you, especially at least from my experiences as a performer, no matter how you know, how experienced you get, how many years you get under your belt. Like I still get nervous. I still get like the butterfly feeling beforehand. Do you still experience that beforehand? And do you feel like that also helps you like hone in and just give a kick-ass performance that like you're kind of second guessing before you go through the curtain or before the red light goes on. But then those, that anxious energy and those nerves actually help you just take it to a whole new level. I feel like I, I mostly get that feeling when it's something new to me because gotcha. I don't know what to expect. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, the first music video that I shot out in California. It was for a band called The Plot and You. And um, I was very nervous for that. Uh, they put of me course. in front of the camera and they they were just asking me to do some movement. And um, I actually heard them talking about how their uh, dancer character uh, called out and they didn't come in and I just kind of like peeked around I was like hey I'm a dancer do you and they're like wait really and that was a great experience but I was very nervous just to even like put myself out there like hey I am a dancer like here's a couple videos of like stuff that I, I've done just like rehearsal videos or this and that and they're like yep that's it let's go and they just put me in front of there and they just turn on the music and they're like freestyle and I was like <laughs> okay <laughs> let's have it's some fun like, let's do this and um 
it's great so that that music video is actually on youtube and that was a great experience i absolutely love that band too they're um originally from ohio okay but amazing people um but yeah anytime I, it's a new experience is when i feel like i definitely get those nerves and i feel like it does push me yeah in a sense of kind of getting me out of my comfortable element because I feel like sometimes if I'm too comfortable, I don't mean to, but I may get a little bit lax on a couple of things that I know that I can do. So it's like, I need those nerves to kind of keep the adrenaline going. Again, it's like, we're the same person there. And before I, before I forget to say it too, um, I'll get the link from you for that video and we'll put it in the show notes. If anybody wants to check that out and get eyes on it. So we'll definitely make sure people know about that. But, yeah. man, something you said, too, like, you know, get in your comfort zone. It becomes easier to get lax. You spin your wheels. You, you know, you get lazy. Whatever the word or terminology you want to use is. So let's jump into something new that you did. You moved to Nashville. Was that directly after California? Did you move back to Indiana and then Tennessee? Like, what what went on with that? Like, what prompted you to move, again, move, you know, basically almost across the country all over again? Right. So I like the towards the end of my journey in California, I was working at my very first scare acting experience, um, Los Angeles Haunted Hayride. It was super fun experience, um, but I definitely learned a lot of things from there. Um, And towards the end of that, I just was getting really sick all the time and I just didn't understand why. Mm -hmm. And like the closing night of the the scare experience, um, I just didn't make it through throughout the whole night. And I was like, oh, this dang. is very, very, very unlike me. Like I'm used to being like sore and whatnot from like dance or sports, or yeah. but this is completely different. Like something wasn't firing right in my body. And I was like, I need to get checked out. I need to figure out what's going on. So go to the doctor. Um, they said I had positive ANAs, which is normally a sign for autoimmune. Oh, and I'm like, okay, oh. that's weird. Um, and then I had the trip around Christmas to go back home to Indiana to visit my family. Mm-hmm. And I saw my primary healthcare provider there, did a little bit more testing, and we um, got set up with a rheumatologist at UCLA. And I couple months I went through some good amount of testing there um excellent doctors though they're amazing um and they tested me for everything like rheumatoid arthritis um cirrhotic arthritis anything like that and I think the only thing that I kind of fell on the spectrum on was like lupus but I wasn't so far on the spectrum that they wouldn't be like it is definitely lupus yeah um so I was kind of left with that. Uh, I had like MRIs done on my hips and whatnot. And I was like, okay. And it was just getting very expensive. And I had to move back home because of that and just couldn't afford it anymore, unfortunately, which happens. Yeah. You know, it happens. Um, and I was at home in Indiana for a little bit while longer. And I kind of took it into my own hands on researching like what exactly lupus is and just like kind of changing my diet and changing certain things that I would do in my everyday life Mm -hmm. that would benefit me more as if I 
did or didn't have it. You know, it's kind of still up in the air. I, I just kind of gave up on going to the doctors, but I have been feeling better on that's changing plus, my lifestyle. Yeah. That's a plus. So like, yes. Um, so that's the reason why I had to move back home. I lived there for a year and a half, and then I actually moved to Texas for a year. Okay. And did some projects there, um, and that was where I met my boyfriend. And then uh, Texas, back to Indiana for a month, and then now in Tennessee. So it's been a journey, but oh, I'm yeah. here. <laughs> so you've been you've been more than it's been basically almost like a, a weird rectangle across the country of getting to where you are now. So I mean that's that's one wrinkle in it that I wasn't even aware of. But you mentioned uh, the lifestyle changes in there, so I'm glad to hear that that's made a positive impact, especially because. You know, like I said, we worked this scare acting season previously, and I had no idea that you'd ever had that kind of experience, you know, back out in California. So seeing you get back into it is awesome. But then on top of that, too, you just mentioned that you met your boyfriend in Texas. So did you guys go through the long distance phase when you moved back or did he kind of move with you? Is he up here now with you? Like, how do you how do you all make the relationship work with all this travel and everything? Um, yeah, we did long distance for, for just a little bit, but, um, oh my goodness, he did move with me here, which was awesome. It was great. And it was his first move, like, oh, really? Okay. From, from home. Yeah. From home. And so it, it definitely was a moment of transitioning of for course. him because I had to kind of put myself back to when I had first moved away from home. Like, Okay let me, I have to be patient on certain things. I'm yeah. like, I know he's going to miss home. And I know there's going to be those aspects of things that he wish he could still do at home and whatnot. But he was very gung ho on moving with me, which was amazing. Um, of course. So just, you know, the communication and the patience and understanding that there's going to be good and bad days. Um, I think the biggest thing is he, he doesn't, do any of the acting or the singing or dancing right, stuff whatsoever. Right. And he has learned a lot from me on just kind of explaining how certain things go, whether it's rehearsal processes or I have to be early before rehearsal starts because that's just so instilled in me on mm-hmm. like, if, if you're early or on time, if you're on time, you're, you're late, late. If yep. you're late, like don't even think about it sort of thing. Absolutely. So, and man, that's... just, yeah, it, it was. It, it's like a whole new experience for him because he's he's a very tech savvy guy. He's mm-hmm. computers, IT, that sort of thing. Um, so it's kind of two opposite ends of the spectrum almost, which I feel like works because it kind of balances. Exactly. Out. Exactly. Um, yes. So just having the understanding for each other on. I have my thing, and you have your thing, mm-hmm. and that we're gonna have our thing together. Is We've been finding the balance on that, um, definitely. Absolutely. So just because I know like this was my first season having to, you know, balance a home and work life on top of, you know, a scare acting season, with him being so fresh up here, what was that process like for y'all? Because I know you have a job outside of there. We had the full season, you know, like especially getting closer to Halloween and what we call Hell Week where you're working almost every day of that week. How did you guys, you know, prioritize or find that understanding and still find time for each other in the midst of all the craziness? What was that like? 
definitely um it, it took a minute to find right. our balance on that um and i had warned him before because of the the previous scare after experience i'm like listen there's going to be long nights yeah. and I'm not going to get home till late Yeah, and I'm going to be exhausted. And the only thing I'm going to want to do is shower and go to bed and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just having that communication with him on like, I am giving you this warning beforehand. <laughs> and he, I feel like most days he was very understanding. And then there were some times where it's like, all right, like we need to really have our time together. Yeah. And Finding that it, it 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 took a little bit, but we we got in a groove. And I think what really stood out was like the little things. Like like I would just let him know when I was on my way home, and he would literally have like something small for me to at least eat when I get home. Like he would just have that there, and he Brownie would not points. have a big yeah. And it's just like amazing on how he did take care of me and make sure that I was staying hydrated throughout the whole experience of like drinking my water throughout the of day course, at yeah. night and everything. Cause it does take a lot out of you with oh, scare yeah. acting. Oh yeah. It's a whole different experience and you can get exhausted real quick if you do not take care of yourself. And I mean, that's, that's definitely something that you'll hear like me mention with, you know, previous guests of the show and even on the, you know, the, I guess we'll call it the brother podcast tales from the haunt. Like there is so much that goes into that other than just like putting on a mask or putting on makeup and jumping out and scaring somebody. It's more than just saying boo or saying get out. Like there is so much that goes into it physically, mentally, and emotionally that people just don't think about. And like the hydration, that is key. Like that is 100% key no matter where you are. And then going back to what you mentioned too about like the comfort zones earlier, you may not be that same character two nights in a row. You may be in a completely different you know, attraction altogether the next night. So you've got to mm-hmm. have all this stuff that goes into it. So, you know, major props and brownie points to him for, you know, having something ready for you at home or being understanding of that. Yeah, you're tired. You just want to take a shower, get all the makeup or blackout off and go to bed because that's a draining experience, especially when you don't get out of there some nights till 12, 1231, depending on how late in the season it is like, Mm-hmm. It is a full commitment, not just from the actor themselves, but partner, family at home, whatever you want to say. Like, it's all hands on deck. Absolutely. <laughs> Man, and like, I don't even know. I feel like we covered so much ground and we didn't even really cover that much. Like, It's like, I'm trying to juggle. Did we cover enough? Did we cover too much? Like, it, it's been like... This does not feel like a whole hour has almost gone by at this point. And I've just, oh my goodness. I've learned so much more about you now that we wouldn't just have this normal conversation in the middle of the acting lounge either. So it's like, holy shit, right. I've got all this like common bonds and, you know, like common experiences with Jade. But then it's like, wow, I didn't realize she'd overcome so much stuff and is still out here kicking ass. Like, that's amazing. So you know, thank you for being so willing to come on here and just share so much of your story, your travels and your experiences, because I guarantee you, you know, like hearing some of the stuff you've done, whether it's, you know, overcoming the the negatives that we spoke about or just getting into your experiences and taking that exhilarating bet on yourself to move cross country multiple times. Like that's something that can motivate and inspire anybody listening to this story. So thank you for being so willing to come on here and share that with everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. And 
Uh, there's plenty more. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you what, let's book a part two in the future then. Let's make that happen. And, uh, you know, we'll, I'm sure there's a lot more we can do. And I want to get more into the, uh, you know, the singing. And I want to get more into that, too, because I know we just barely scratched the surface. So, like, there's so much more we can book a second conversation on. And I'm game if you are. Absolutely. I certainly enjoyed this. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And now uh, let's see how much I'm going to enjoy this because I'm about to flip the script again. You guys already know the deal. Jade's going to have control of this show for a little bit here, and she's going to throw some questions my way. You already know the disclaimer. I don't know them beforehand, so as soon as I give it over to her, I am at her mercy. So, Jade, please go easy on me. Uh, <laughs> Um, so I think my first question for you, okay, because we, we talked a lot about like my start in the acting and everything. I would really love to know what like first got you set into like entertainment uh, and acting. Man, that's, that's really hard to say because, um, you know, the first thing I did anything performance wise was a kindergarten play and <laughs> I, I had one line. It was, um, you know, like. Welcome to our performance. I froze on stage for like five minutes at least. Maybe not even that long, but it sure felt like it. And I just like stammered the words out like, welcome to our show, and then just ran off the stage. Like I was scared. (laughs) So you would think like I wouldn't even want to get into that. But I think what it was was just like hearing all these cartoons that I grew up around. uh, And I'll, I'll go ahead and reference South Park because... You know, I would sneak behind my parents' back and watch that and start imitating the voices. And I would I would get in trouble, but, you know, it's like as I got older, just the imitation and the memory of the lines, like, it made people laugh. It started conversation. So I'm like, okay, you know, there's maybe something here. Got into band and, you know, started getting to perform that way and everything. And then it's just like did some drama, did everything else, but it's like never got any major, major lead roles, but I just kind of got a performance bug. And it's one of those things where it's like, I never knew what it was until I actually started wrestling. And then it's like, man, I'm normally an introverted person, but when I go out here, whether I'm with a group of people or I can be by myself, I can just be somebody completely different then that shy kid that, you know, when you go behind the curtain or the red lights off, it's just me being quiet. But, I mean, it literally all started from just watching cartoons and imitating the voices more than anything else. That's awesome because you mentioned South Park. I would do the exact same thing. Ah, we are the same person, and that's so... I know. <laughs> that's the coolest part about this podcast is, it, like, there's some... No matter who it is, there's one little thing... In every episode that I have this common ground with everybody on. So it's it's so awesome to find that. Yes, absolutely. Did you ever find um, like your imitation or anything get confused for like mocking somebody? Oh, um, back when I could actually do a Cartman voice. Yeah, I got in trouble a couple of times in, uh, in elementary school because I would say something and the teacher would think I was imitating her or, you know, just me, 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 you know, something like that and just... <laughs> You know, I I get the little uh, notes sent home or whatever, but that was that's happened a time or two. Yeah, because I know in my experience, I would I just liked imitating people yeah. because it just I don't know what it was. I just liked doing it because it kind of gets me in the perspective of different people. So I, I have gotten in trouble a lot of times of like 
they're just, she's just mimicking me. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just literally like trying to say the thing you just said, but in the way you said it, yeah. just to see what it feels like. They call it, uh, they call it people watching and people studying, I think. Yes, exactly. Um, so other than, cause you mentioned you did band and mm-hmm. all that good stuff. Was there any other like, or hang on, was there many opportunities for you growing up to be able to express yourself in a creative way? I mean, I I would draw and everything, um, but that was one of the ones where, like, I would get in trouble in school because, like, around sixth grade, I started having problems with math. But, mm-hmm. you know, like, the teacher would just constantly get on me and, like, it wasn't encouraged. Let's put it that way. Like, nobody encouraged the artistic endeavors even though there was an art class for sixth graders. Like, it was always, well, you shouldn't be worrying about doing that. You should uh, be focused on getting your F up to a a passing grade. But, you know, it was always drawing and doodling before anything else, before I knew anything about, like, how to play a clarinet or how to, uh, you know, how to do any of that stuff. It was always just drawing and doodling. But back then it wasn't encouraged because it was just looked at as goofing off in class or not paying attention. But now right. you see how the how the entire perspective on that has changed. So, thankfully, it has. Yeah, even, absolutely. I think even so, whenever I was in like middle school and all that good stuff, it still was kind of frowned upon. And yeah. Another thing where we're like, I struggle with math too. So, like, don't worry. <laughs> like, man, there it is again. I know. I'm like, geez. <laughs> <laughs> um. Let's see. I think I don't know how many questions I've already asked. Oh, that was I two, I, I believe. Two. Okay. Um, so you mentioned you're, you're pretty new in the scare acting and yes. everything like that. Like how was your first experience? Like just kind of, even if you were just kind of standing on the sidelines in the actor's lounge or anything, like, is there anything you noticed that you liked or you didn't like when it came to just like the company as a whole or just anything like that? The The coolest thing was that like, there were so many awesome people there. Don't get me wrong. And like, some of them I may have met in passing and only spoke to once, but like there, there was just so much going on that I couldn't keep up sometimes with who I'd already met or who I hadn't introduced myself to yet. But like the biggest thing is that like almost everybody I dealt with was so supportive and it, it was almost like I was in a wrestling locker room again, but I didn't see all the typical drama that you would see in a wrestling locker room. Like, you know, like, I didn't have to worry about like the promoter or somebody being out to short me on pay or anything like that. Instead, I'm sitting around back there like begging to use his megaphone so I can make fart noises at it or just do something stupid to entertain people. Or, you know, like we're all just sitting back there cutting up, having fun, even though we've all just come from an eight or nine hour day of work. So the coolest thing for me was it was almost like stepping back into a wrestling locker room but without all the drama and petty stuff that you'd have to worry about in a wrestling locker room. And, of course, less people in revealing spandex, but, you know. <laughs> right, right. But no, I mean, depending a... on, on the day, because you went full wrestler mode, like, for one of the, on Halloween night. Yeah, right? freezing cold weather, Halloween night. <laughs> I don't know how you did it. I don't know how they let is. me, I don't know how they let me do it either, but, you know, entertainment <laughs> for the sake of entertainment, I'll never turn down a challenge. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so when it when it came to breaks or even like preparing for the, you know those long nights and everything, like what's your go to 
like either like warm up or just kind of getting in that mindset or like taking care of yourself between like like your break or anything like that? Honestly, the biggest thing for me was just kind of leaving everything at the door. Like if I was tired or whatever it was, just leaving it at the door and making sure I wasn't going to be the weak link in everything, especially, you know, if I was outside or in the house, wherever they needed me that night. But it was really just making sure I had fun and making sure I had plenty of water and I could actually get it through my mask. But, you know, yeah. I would stretch I would stretch a little bit because that's always, I'm naturally stiff and sore from all the wrestling anyway. So I would loosen up a little bit, you know, kind of just do a little humming depending on what voice or, you know, accent I had to use that night, but just making sure I wasn't going to blow my voice out by the end of the night trying to talk like a pirate or talk high-pitched for the clown or, you know, whatever it was. But honestly, it was really just a little stretching, a little humming, and praying for the best and hoping the mask wasn't too tight. That that sounds... <laughs> the mask being too tight. Oh, man, that's... I am not a big fan of wearing masks. Yeah. So that's why it, it would always... Like, I would do it, because, you know, sometimes you would have to, and you just have to be like, okay, but at the end of the night, when you take it off, it's like, oh. oh and then that puddle of sweat comes out of it, too. Man. Exactly, exactly. Um, and I think I have one more yep, this kind of is like it. question or, or topic. Um, kind of like out of left field, but from what I've seen or like known about you, I could, I could tell like you're an animal lover, and like yes. you love dogs and everything. Oh, my God, I love dogs. Um, <laughs> do you... When it, when it comes to, like, your connection to your pets and everything, like, I know we, we spoke about prioritizing, like, your partner or mm -hmm. anything else like that, but when it comes to your animals and whatnot, like, how much do they impact you in your everyday life? Um, It's pretty much, like, I, I'm going to sound absolutely horrible for saying this, but it is 100% <laughs> animals on one side, wife and kids, it's like there's a balance beam and they both hold equal weight because like two cats, they're only needy when they want something from you or they just want to smother <laughs> you in your sleep. But, right. you know, now that we're down to one dog, um, you know, he's getting older, but he's still an absolute like he wants all the attention in the world. So if he sees me with my phone and I'm just sitting on the couch, like he'll come up and, you know, buck my hand with his head and just knock the phone out of my hand and make me scratch him so he can have his, you know, his little fun moments there. But it's a, uh, man, they are a priority and I'm, I'm still, you'll never not convince me that this dog is 100% my spirit animal because <laughs> it seems like if I'm in a mood, he's just kind of in his own little mood. But you know, if I'm, if I'm happy or whatever, he's just, he's ready to play. He's ready to do this. Like he knows. So, mm -hmm. and then he, he automatically, like, he's gone from sleeping with me and my wife to sleeping in my oldest son's bed. And, you know, it's, like, pretty much the same thing that happened with me and my dad's dog when we lived together and I was younger. Went from sleeping with him to her sleeping with me. So it's pretty much, like, he's got that parental mentality, too. So it's basically me with four legs and a bunch of fur. So, I mean, it's, like, it's literally, <laughs> they are my kids, so they are right there on level with wife and kids. So it's, it's all family. It all, it's all right there. Equal, equal footing because I don't know what I would do if I didn't get to come home and either have a cat screaming at me for food or a dog trying to trip me as soon as I walked in the doorway. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. That's, I love that. That's awesome. Absolutely. I mean, it's uh if you can rescue them too, by all means, please do it because they are the sweetest, best animals you will ever get your hands on. 
Absolutely. I'm a big advocate for that. Yes. Don't, don't shop. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Absolutely. 100%. And damn it, we are the same person. I don't know how there many more of me the world can take, but here we are. <laughs> there it is. Man, this has been fun. Like this over an hour at this point has flown by and I've learned so much, gained so much more respect for you than I already had. Like, because like I said, you had all these experiences and you keep conquering. Like that's an amazing thing. You've had setbacks that other people has just completely derailed them but you keep on crushing it. Like, I love that, and I love that you're still motivated, still chasing the passions, and still making everything happen around you, too. So that is an amazing, amazing thing. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Of course, and you heard it here earlier. We're going to book a part two on that. So look at that. Look for that to come down the line in season three, and you know what? We may even see if we can find a different game to play at the end of the interview and see how we can shake it up again. So... Jade, if you're game, I'm game, so let's make it happen. Let's do it. All right. Well, guys, this has been an awesome interview here, and like I said earlier, we I feel like we barely scratched the surface. I know we covered so much ground, but then there's so much more that we haven't even gotten to yet, so a part two is definitely coming. Be on the lookout for that, and you know the best way to do that? Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're following us on social media. If I have to repeat myself, I know you're probably tired of hearing me say it, but you know it helps. You know it needs to be done. Get subscribed. Go back in the archives. Listen to all of our awesome guests and get caught up. Everybody needs that right now, and the world needs more positivity. So share this this podcast. Share the social media platforms. Get the word out there and not, you know, just do some good for somebody. That's all I can ask in this world is that you do some good for somebody. And maybe sharing this podcast is all you have to do because it may change somebody's life. I hope it does. But, guys, I'm going to sound like a broken record if I keep going, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up right there. And I want to say, Jade, thank you for coming on today, and thank you for being so willing to be open and vulnerable and share your story. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. And I guess I'll be seeing you this weekend as we're recording this because we have some more events coming up for uh, for the off season for scare acting. Oh, yeah. Yep, so uh, look forward to that. Uh, Look forward to whatever kind of costumes and makeup they have us in this weekend, so that'll be fun. But guys, (laughs) seriously, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're sharing the social media. Make sure you're going back in the archives, checking out our past guests, leaving a five-star review if you think I've earned it, and just sharing this podcast and getting the word out there. And don't forget, too, if you want to advertise your products or services on this show, I've got my information in the show notes. If it's something you believe in and you want to get out to a worldwide audience, Get with me, check my notes, and we'll make it happen. I'd love to work with you, and I'd love to get your products and services out there, too. But, guys, that's going to do it for today's episode. So for myself, for Jade, thank you all for tuning in and listening to our conversation. Thank you for just continuing your support on this podcast. And until next week, go out in the world and do some good. And I can't wait to talk to you guys again. And I know you hear me. The I Know You Hear Me podcast is a presentation of Flynn Hendricks Enterprises. We thank you for tuning in this week, and we hope you'll check out our sponsors and advertisers. Make sure you check us out next week as we come back at the same time with another awesome episode.